So folks, I'm introducing Stephanie Brown, the dynamic founder of Creative Career Level Up, a transformative program that propels professionals in marketing, creative and tech industries towards accelerated career growth, coveted roles, promotions and most importantly, salary increases. With an illustrious 15-year career, Stephanie draws from her extensive experience as a senior marketing executive at Nike and Apple, contributing to the development of a curriculum that sets her program apart. A true testament to resilience, Stephanie, the author of the highly rated book, Fired, Why Losing Your Job is the Best Thing That Can Happen to You. Interesting, isn't it? So shares not only the highs and lows of her climb up the corporate ladder, but also imparts wisdom on finding purpose, overcoming fears and redefining success. So as we prepare to delve into our conversation on the topic at hand, career resilience unveiled from corporate climbs to the entrepreneurial dreams. Here's an exciting twist. First, let us tickle her brain. So Stephanie, get ready for a rapid fire round of random words. I'll mention a few and I would love to hear the first thing that comes to your mind in response without thinking much. Are you ready for it? I will, I will try and be ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get it rolling. And here comes the first word, curiosity. Descriptive. Invention. Innovation. Future. Bright. Book other than yours. <laughs> Education. All right. Movie. Films. <laughs> Food. Uh, pizza. Success. Team. Leadership. Also team. <laughs> Next is uh, role model. Uh, mentors. And the last one is universe. Oh, universe. Vast. <laughs> Good one. That was really crisp. And thank you so much for participating in the first rapid fire round. We have one more towards the end of the episode. And folks, welcome to the Guiding Voice podcast series where we embark on transformative conversations for a better future. I'm your host, Navin Samala, dedicated to making the world a better place through valuable discussions that add value not only to your life, but also to your career. And thank you so much for tuning in. Stephanie, hearty welcome to the Guiding Voice. Thrilled to have you today and engage in this exciting conversation. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to, to chatting all things careers, which I'm obviously very passionate about. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I can see your passion in the way you smile. So let's get started, uh, Stephanie, with your success mantra. So please talk to us about the top three things that I've attributed to your success so far. Yeah, this is a great question, actually. I think what people think attribute to people's success and what actually attributes to people's success are often very different. And from the outside, people can think it's it's one thing, but actually when you are living it yourself, but it's it's very different. And and I think for me, the things that have made me quote unquote successful, obviously you can you can take that word in many different ways. But if you're looking at my career and the things that I think have, have helped me, I think one thing that I didn't used to do when I was younger, but I definitely got better at as I got older and as a result saw more success mm -hmm. was not overthinking things. I think I used to overthink things a lot when I was younger and I would overcomplicate things and I would 
overwhelm myself by thinking too much about something that I wouldn't even get started. And so by simplifying things and trying not to overthink them as much, I think that really allowed me to look at projects and look at things that I wanted to do with my career in, in a much more simplified way and I would just get going. And that is the other thing that I found or I have found to have helped my success is just taking action, just getting out there and doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, often people do get overwhelmed by the enormity of what they want to achieve. And so they never start. They don't even take that first step. And I've found that actually that first step is very small and very easy to take. And then once you've taken that first step, then you figure out what the second step is. And that's often very small as well. And if you break it down into those smaller steps, you feel less overwhelmed, you start taking action, and then you start to get motivation from taking that action, which is then becomes, you know, a little bit of a juggernaut and you start to feel the the momentum. And then the final thing for me is consistency, where I see so many people fail, you know, including people that I I, I see in my current uh, profession is that they're not consistent with what they're doing. They start off, you know, going a million miles an hour and then they burn out and they can't stay consistent with whatever it is that they're trying to do. Often you're better off just doing small things regularly and maintaining a cadence that uh, allows you to be consistent rather than going all out for a week and then burning out and, and not doing anything anymore. So that consistency is really hard for a lot of people it can be quite monotonous and boring the consistency I'm sure (laughs) delivering this podcast you you probably get to a point you've put out so many podcasts that you think oh wow you know this this feels kind of boring sometimes but actually that's the consistency that over time grows the success and it's so simple and anyone can actually do it but it's really hard to do as well because it can feel monotonous and boring at times so so that's the three for me not overthinking things, taking action and and being consistent with with that action. I I conquer with you on three of them. And my two cents on the second one, taking action is very important. And the taking the first step is absolutely important. And you don't have to look at the ladder or the staircase. Take the first step and later things will follow. And with regard to consistency, like it is 7.30 a.m. This is one of the rarest situations where I wake up before 6 o'clock. Right. And I have to make it right. So it speaks volumes about the consistency. And I, I, I love that. I love that. I agree <laughs> on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stephanie, let's uh, move forward. Uh, you have had an impressive career in big global organizations like Nike and Apple. So how did your experience as a senior marketing executive shape your perspective on career development? And how does that influence your creative career level up program? Yeah, I've been very lucky in my career and and I know it's not just all luck. It's definitely hard work as well, but I I definitely have had some lucky breaks in my career and getting jobs at a company like Nike and then following up a a company like Apple was very lucky given that I'm from New Zealand. I didn't grow up in, in the UK, which is where I got those jobs. And it's very hard to get into companies like that. And I still pinch myself sometimes thinking as to how I did get into those companies because I enjoyed my experience of working there so much and it really shaped my career. And as, as you rightly say, it also helped shape this new part of my life, which is you know running my Creative Career Level Up program. And so much of what I learned in my corporate life does inform the program that I run. And I think Probably the most direct way it informs it is that particularly working for a company like Nike, whose history is rooted in sport and therefore a lot of the culture within the company is 
sporting culture, for example, you know, leaders are meant to be coaches, they're meant to build high-performing teams, they're meant to help their teams succeed. Because of all that uh, culture that exists within a company like Nike taking sporting sporting culture and putting it into the corporate world, you do, I was brought up in a career in an environment where team mm-hmm. support and mentorship was was really, really big. And what you start to realize when you work in a big corporation like that, where you are only ever going to achieve big things as part of a team, you're never going to be the one individual that achieved the one thing. You're always working in teams and big corporations. And in a company like Nike, not only are you working in a team, but you you typically have a manager or a leader of your team who who behaves like a coach who wants to get the best out of their team, wants to help them perform, wants to help you perform at your highest level. And you really start to realize that you you will always achieve more as part of a team than you ever will on your own. You might be able to achieve 100% on your own, but you'll achieve 150% as part of a team. Like you, you can never achieve as much on your own as you will as part of a team. And because of that, when I set up the Creative Career Level Up, for me, a big part of the program is that we have a community surrounding the program and we we really champion helping each other and, and using the collective uh, knowledge and the collective support of the team to help people get to where they want to go with their careers. Got it. And I love the aspect that managers act as coaches that will help people achieve more than you ever will. I think that is uh, intriguing. And uh, Stephanie, I was also fired once because of business priorities. And in your book, Fired, why losing your job is the best thing that can happen to you. You share your experience of being fired twice. So how did those setbacks shape your understanding of purpose and what advice do you have for individuals looking to overcome their fears and pursue their dream job? Yeah, so so being fired twice uh, really did shape my career a lot in, in terms of the way I looked at my career, in terms of, like you rightfully say, looking at my purpose and, and what I'm doing with my career, the type of jobs that I'm doing, and, and am I doing jobs that make me happy and I get up every day and I enjoy. Being fired really shines a light on how important it is to be in the right place for you. Yeah. Uh, both instances of me being fired was as you said yourself like it it wasn't about I did anything particularly wrong it's just those two environments were not the right place for me they weren't the kind of place where I could thrive they weren't the kind of environment where I could do well and because I wasn't in an environment where I could be you know be at my best I wasn't at my best and I wasn't performing as as well as I was capable of but it was just the wrong environment for me and it could be the perfect environment for for someone else but it just wasn't the right environment for me and so when I was let go and I reflected on that and really understood that, hey, it wasn't that that wasn't about you. That was just not the right place for you. It really, you know, cemented for me this idea that you have to find the right environment to do your best work. And you can be the exact same person in a different environment and absolutely not be thriving, be a completely different person, hate work, not enjoy what you're doing. And it's so important to make sure that you take the time to find the right place because once you find the right environment, and this is something mm-hmm. I feel so passionately about and it's what I help people with with my program, once you find the right environment for you, you will absolutely fly in your career and you will find that you're just a completely different person to the one you are when you're in the wrong environment. That makes absolute sense. It happened to me as well in one of my previous organizations and uh... I, I didn't wait any long. Like I spent only one year and I felt like I'm watering a dead tree and I moved out. 
and I, there are no yeah. regrets as such i can resonate so let's yeah. take yeah let's take a different tangent now and talk about the imposter syndrome and imposter syndrome is prevalent in many professionals not just limited to marketing creative and tech industries and when it comes to working for organizations like apple google nike and the so called fang companies facebook and if you may, if i may add uh, netflix as well to the list right there is a st- sort of imposter syndrome and there is a sort of uh, a stigma that gets associated right so what will be your advice to the individuals so that how can they navigate and overcome imposter syndrome to confidently pursue opportunities with big companies like apple google nike microsoft and others yeah it's a, it's a great topic imposter syndrome because i think it is something that a lot of people feel at different points in their lives you don't feel like it at, at in every situation that is new to you but there's some situations where you do feel really out of your depth and i think the thing with imposter syndrome is that it is all about how you frame up this feeling of being an imposter in your own mind you know it comes down right. to how you frame it up and if you're framing it up as you know this is a really bad thing i'm out of my depth i'm going to embarrass myself and you know people are going to make fun of me or anything like this it's always going to be a situation that triggers you and makes you feel really negative whereas if you flip it around the other way and see the positive of it which is how i personally deal with imposter syndrome it's a completely different experience and and i'll give you an example from you know the list of companies that you just just gave me so when i started at nike when i was 23 years old I had only been living in the UK for 1 year. I'm from yeah. New Zealand originally. New Zealand's a very small country. London is a very big city. When you come to London, it can be quite overwhelming. You definitely feel not like an imposter, but you're you're definitely like, wow, this is, you know, not something that I'm used to. And then working in the UK is tough. Yeah. Um, you know, as a foreigner just turning up and and trying to get a job, it's really hard. And so when I got my job at Nike, obviously I was incredibly happy. It was amazing. And then I started working there. and everyone i worked with was super cool they were like cool londoners that dressed really cool and had cool trainers and they knew the right nike sneakers to wear and i didn't even know how to wear nike sneakers i don't think i owned a pair at the time and you know so visually i felt really out of my depth in terms of how i looked but then i would sit in meetings with my colleagues as well and they're some of the smartest people i'd ever met like some of the best marketeers i'd ever met the senior people in our team they were so incredible you'd sit in meetings and they just have incredible ideas and i was just like wow i can't believe i'm in the room with these people and so for me it was like this is awesome i get to be in the room with these people even though i'm arguably the dumbest person in here <laughs> and so for me instead of feeling like an imposter i was like this is amazing let me take everything that i can from this experience and these people and by framing it up like that you know by looking at my colleagues and being being like instead of thinking oh i wish i was as cool as them looking at their outfits and thinking oh that's a cool way to way to wear my trainers i might try that tomorrow as opposed to feeling intimidated by it i was able to reframe the situation to make myself feel less uh, like an imposter and to mm-hmm. really see the positive in that situation and to embrace it and i think for anyone that's feeling like an imposter that is the only way that you're going to get rid of that feeling is to flip it on its head and say wow this is such an incredible opportunity the imposter feeling means that you're growing it means that you're out of your comfort zone it means that you're about to have 
incredible growth because you've been pushed out of your comfort zone and how lucky you are mm-hmm. that you get to be in a situation where you're growing and learning and surrounded by people that are you know more advanced than you and 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 make you feel like an imposter it's such a blessing <laughs> wonderful perspective i i i loved it uh, stephanie now let's talk about your transitioning from corporate leader to entrepreneurship right so you retired early from your corporate job and launched creative career level up so i'm interested to understand the challenges that you faced in transitioning from a corporate career to entrepreneurship and how did your corporate experience contributed to the success of your career coaching business yeah so i i left my corporate job in 2019 mm-hmm. and it may have seemed to a lot of people at the time like i just all of a sudden decided i was leaving my corporate job uh, i had actually been planning that for 10 years so i had decided back in well 2010 i had decided that i was going to work for no less than 10 more years and i was going to work for someone else for no less than 10 more years and i was going to start my own thing i didn't know what it was in 2010 but i had this this idea that i wanted to start something that would allow me to spend more time back in new zealand where my parents were and and i knew by 10 years in the future they'd be retired so i wanted to spend more time in new zealand with my parents and my brothers and so i knew that i had to find a way to do that i knew it was going to have to be my own business now in 2010 it was long before we'd ever heard of covid-19 it was long before there was remote working it was long before there was even the digital you know resources that yeah. have allowed a lot of people to set up their own businesses um very very easily and so i didn't know what it was going to look like then but i but i did plan i knew that i wanted to leave within the next 10 years and start my own thing and so really started ramping up sort of 2015 almonds when i started working at apple that's when i really started planning what i was going to do and so what i would say is that actually if you're thinking of doing this yourself the transition for me personally from leaving my job at apple into starting this business the creative career lab was pretty seamless because i had overlapped the two so if, you know even back then i don't think the the phrase side hustle was used as much but i had essentially set up a side hustle i had started the business i had also started another business in in property and when the time came to leave apple the property business and the coaching business had already begun and it was a seamless crossover between the two and i think that's a really valuable lesson for me mm-hmm. in terms of if I give advice to anyone who's looking to set up their own thing or or leave corporate world. That is what I say to them. I say there is there is the opportunity to start it on the side first, and it gives you so much more comfort, and it really mitigates the risk that if it goes wrong, you've got nothing to fall back on. So so that would definitely uh, be my advice if anyone is is looking to to make that move themselves. Yeah, concur with you. I have seen a couple of friends doing that. In fact, I am also navigating the same path at this moment. so I, i want to establish my business before i quit my corporate job so i can yeah. totally resonate with you and uh, stephanie now let's talk about some example from your career where you implemented a leadership solution that had a significant impact on your team or the organization and what lessons can our audience take away for creative positive change in their own workplaces yeah so i mean i mentioned before that the sort of culture at nike of of being like sport where you know managers and leaders were a lot lot more like coaches and encouraged to build high performing teams and to help people succeed and i think that has 
is a style of leadership that's really stuck with me throughout my career and and something I, I really champion. Uh, I was I was speaking to a client recently who works for Starbucks and she was talking about this idea that they have an idea there of service leadership, which is where mm-hmm. the leader is there to serve their team, not the other way around, which we never use that phrase at Nike, but it, it sounded kind of similar in the sense that, you know, you were encouraged to help your team. And when I first started managing, uh, when I had my first direct report, I was still quite young and I had a boss who was incredible, he's still a close friend of mine now, and he really helped me with understanding, you know, how to implement the style of leadership. And the person that I was managing was really struggling uh, to to kind of stay on top of things. They'd moved into a new role in our team. I think it was a lot busier than they had expected. They were struggling to keep their inbox under control just as an example you know they they were they were missing emails it was that was how sort of basic it was in terms of helping to manage them and I was getting quite frustrated with this person because I was like well you can't even manage your inbox this is this is crazy and my boss really helped me to understand that as as his manager, it was my responsibility to help him. I couldn't just say to him, "Oh my God, I can't believe you don't know how to manage your inbox. I'm 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 done with you," sort of thing. That it was my responsibility to really help him and nurture him and and help him learn how to cope with the pace of the role and and with the pace of the team. And so this idea that you know you you were the one responsible for helping your team get to the level that they needed to be at was something that was instilled in me from the person above me who had done it for me, to be fair, and I just hadn't really realized. And it was this idea of them passing it on to to the people that you managed as well. And it helped me to reframe that situation. It really helped me to have a lot of more empathy for the people that I managed. And then it also helped me to really understand how you can go about helping people in your team perform and bringing them up to the level that they need to be at, instead of just saying, do you know what, you're not you're not good enough. I'm not going to help you. Really taking responsibility as their leader and their manager. And I just don't think there's enough of that in the world anymore, that kind of leadership style. Most leaders that I hear about either through, you know, LinkedIn, I do a lot on LinkedIn and I do a lot on TikTok and I get a lot of messages from people. And it just sounds to me like most leaders and managers out there are are, are leading for themselves um, and are leading from the top and, and not really helping their teams perform. And if anyone in their team starts to underperform that, they're mm-hmm. letting them loose or not helping them. And so I feel very lucky that I was given this opportunity from my boss to learn this style and, and then to implement it and to see the results that it got. You know, the guy that I managed, he he, he stayed at, at Nike for about 15 years and he went to really senior levels within Nike after that role. And it just shows that if you give someone the right support yeah. in the right environment, they can they can flourish. Super. That's a great example. And let's move forward. And on the Hacking Happiness podcast, you discuss the highs and lows of climbing the corporate career ladder. Or to keep it simple, the career ladder. Okay, So can you elaborate on a particular low point and how you navigated through it in your journey? And what insights did you gain from that experience? What is the biggest you could take away? Yeah, I mean, I think losing my job and being fired twice was definitely two of the lowest, lowest points, but I've talked about them a lot on podcasts. I want to share with you another low point that I have talked about a little bit, but I think is a really important lesson for people that, again, I was so lucky to get this lesson early on. And, you know, early on, early on in my career at Nike, I very much thought the way to do well in corporate 
worlds or even business sort of put your head down, get on with things and just work really hard. And I wasn't very good at doing the soft skill stuff about, you know, the influencing, the building relationships, the, um, you know, being vocal about what I was wanting to do in my career. And I got stuck in a role for a long time. It was about four years, which doesn't sound very long to a lot of people, but at Nike, you move, most people moved every couple of years. And I got stuck in this role for four years. And once I got sort of stuck in it, it was really, really difficult to get out of it. And around me, a lot of my peers were getting promoted. And this was really hard for me. I couldn't really work out where I was going wrong. I thought I was doing great work. I thought that I was working really hard. I I know that my work was, you know, really recognized and people appreciated the work that I was doing. But I just wasn't getting those promotions. And again, I had an incredible boss at Nike who sat me down one day and sort of explained to me where I was going wrong. And essentially what happened is that someone in my team who was more junior than me, he got promoted to another team, came in at the same level as me and the other team, and then 12 months later came back to our team as my boss. So someone that 18 months earlier had been more junior than me went away, came back and came back as my boss. And it was a real wake up call for me that I needed to be more vocal about what I wanted to do with my career and be a lot more proactive about going after the things that I wanted. And what I hadn't realized is that all around me, everybody else was doing that. Everybody else was being really vocal about what they were looking for. They were telling people what they were looking for in their careers. And I hadn't done that. I was just head down, working hard, just thinking that someone was going to notice me and promote me. And it just doesn't work like that. People are not as interested in you as you are in yourself. And so therefore you do have to go out and tell people what you want. You do have to go out and let people know what you're looking to do next in your career. You do have to build the relationships. You do have to get the sponsors within the senior echelons of your business to help you get to the to, to the levels that you want to get to. Otherwise you will get left behind. And it's, hard for a lot of people to get their head around that. It was hard for me to get my head around that, but I'm so glad that someone explained that to me because once I understood that, it was so much easier to navigate my career and navigate the promotions that I was looking for. Amazing. I'm loving every bit of this conversation and we have had incredible conversations so far. So it's time for us to add some excitement and some more spice to the episode. So if you're ready, I'll bring up the second rapid fire round with a set of intriguing questions. Shall we get in? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Here comes the first bullet out of the second rapid fire round. If you could have one gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? It would say, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Wow. And uh, what is one thing that you're really bad at that you wish you were good or better at? Tennis. And can you describe yourself in just one word? Loyal. Awesome. And what is your favorite thing about living in the current exciting times, the 21st century? Travel. Definitely travel. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? I would say invisibility because I'm an introvert inherently. And sometimes when I like being out, I like being social. But sometimes when I'm out in social situations, I'd love to just be invisible for 10 minutes just to recharge my batteries. <laughs> Interesting. And it comes the last bullet. So what is one electronic gadget that you'd like to see or invent yourself? I mean, I don't know what it is, but I would love some sort of gadget that allows me to sort of 
detox a bit more from my phone without having to fully commit to being away for it. You know, sometimes when you run your own business, you can't really fully switch your phone off for a whole day. But I wish there was some way of doing that and getting some sort of alerts if urgent stuff was happening, you know, a, a way of a gadget that knows what's urgent and what's not urgent and can can alert me to the urgent stuff and I can just keep the phone turned off otherwise. <laughs> Interesting. And so that you want to get notified only on the busy stuff and the most important stuff which really requires your attention. Yeah. Great one. So that was amazing. Rapid fire. <laughs> Stephanie, let's flip back to the mainstream. So your big, your your book emphasizes how losing a job can be the best thing that happens. So how can individuals embrace risk-taking in their careers? And what role does the resilience play in turning setbacks into opportunities? I'm sure this must be a question among many people, especially that have crossed a 10-year mark in their careers, right? Who are willing to do something, but maybe taking a step back due to whatever reason. Yeah, the title of my book, was a, a controversial topic with me and one of my colleagues one day. And I'll tell you the story because I think it illustrates why risk-taking in your career is is really important. And he uh, came to me one day, he's a, he's a colleague, and he came to me and he'd seen the title of my book when it came out. And he said, you know, I saw that your book is called Why Losing Your Job is the Best Thing That Can Happen to You. And he said to me, I just don't think that's true. I just don't understand how losing your job can can be the best thing that can happen to you. Now, this colleague is a colleague who about t- six months earlier, he told me how he had always wanted to go live in Australia with his family. He had been working at the same company for about 10 years. And he said to me, I'd really love to go live in Australia, um, but I haven't managed to transfer with the company that we work for and, and you know I'd, I'd only go out to Australia if I transferred with the company and I said well you know you could you could go to Australia and just find another job with another company like I'm sure with your experience you'd, you'd get another job and he was like oh I'm not not sure I want to risk sort of going out there and 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 fight you know trying to get a job with another company mm-hmm. and but he was telling me how he thinks his family's going to love the beach he wants his children to to be brought up in the sunshine he had all these reasons for wanting to, to move so six months later when he challenged me about the time title of my of my book he said you know I just don't think it's true and I said what do you think would happen if you lost your job tomorrow mm-hmm. and he sort of looked at me stunned and he said I don't know I, th- I think I'd panic and I was like yeah I think you'd probably panic as well I said but what do you think you'd do after you'd stopped panicking and he said well I guess I would try and find another job and I said yeah don't, don't you think that'd be a good chance to find a new job in Australia and he looked at me and he just was so stunned and I was like if you got fired from this company tomorrow you would be on the internet looking for a job in Australia straight away and you would move your family out there and you would go but because you are stuck here in this comfort zone you are too scared to leave because you're in a comfort zone you're too scared of what's out there even though what is out there is arguably way better for your family than staying here for another 10 years and I, I stand by that. I stand by the fact that sometimes the risks that we take, if we're too scared to take them on our own, they be, having them be forced upon us is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And and I know that both instances of me being fired, ultimately with hindsight, were were fantastic for my career. And I would not have been brave enough at the time to step out of my comfort zone myself. So I don't criticize anyone like my colleague who I just told the story about. I don't criticize anyone for not doing that themselves. But it does show you that 
you really should take more risks because if the risk is forced upon you, like losing your job, whether it's forced upon you or whether you take that risk yourself, the outcome is often really good. And everything in life and definitely everything in your career is figure outable. You'll figure it out. If it if you leave and it doesn't work out, you'll figure it out. It will work out in the end. And that's why I say that my billboard would be, it'll be okay. Because yeah. it'll always be okay. You'll work yeah. it out. It'll be okay. So remembering that and understanding that with all risks that you take, everything can be figured out and it'll be okay. It stops you from stopping yourself from taking those risks. You know, just remember that you'll figure it out and it will be okay. So take the risks because any time a risk is forced upon us, like losing our jobs, most people I've found have done really well after they've lost their job. And so many people I know are stuck in a comfort zone, too scared to take those risks, even though they know that on the other side of that comfort zone is something really amazing. Awesome. I, I loved every bit of this conversation. And uh, how is your experience of being hosted on the Guiding Voice platform, Stephanie? Oh, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. There's such valuable topics to talk about. And you can tell I feel very, very passionately about this kind of stuff. I love helping people with their careers. And I, I hope, you know, some of the uh, some of the information I've shared today is, is inspiring for people. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for being part of our journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe. And I really appreciate you taking time to share amazing insights on this amazing topic and look forward to hosting you again in future. So thank you once again. Thank you so much. So friends, that was our episode with Stephanie Brown. And before we jump into the fun trivia section, we have a quick request. If you haven't already subscribed to the Guiding Voice podcast, please subscribe to our podcast from wherever you have tuned in because subscribing keeps you updated on the new episodes. And also, if you have enjoyed the conversation and found it useful, please share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who would also like TGV, the Guiding Voice podcast. So spread the knowledge and help others grow just like you. Now let's cruise into the trivia segment. We have had amazing conversation with Stephanie Brown on how to level up your career creatively, especially how to deal with the situation where you got fired, situation where you are shown a pink slip, right? So today's trivia is about pink slips. So first thing is, Colorful origins, the term pink slip traces its roots to the early 20th century when termination notices were printed on distinctive pink colored paper. And the choice of color served as an immediate signal to employees that the document contained news about their employment status, giving rise to the new iconic term. Second is digital transition. In today's digital age, the traditional pink slip on paper has largely been replaced by electronic means like email or digital notifications. And this shift actually reflects the evolution of communication methods in the workplace, highlighting the impact of technology on even the most symbolic aspects of employment. Third is cultural symbolism. Beyond its literal meaning, the concept of a pink slip has become a powerful symbol in popular culture, frequently appearing in movies, TV shows and literature as a universal representation of job loss. Despite its negative connotations, some individuals have reclaimed the term to signify resilience and the potential for positive career redirection. So that's it from my side from pink slip perspective and I have two questions for you. 
फर्स्ट वन इज इफ यू नो एनी इंटरेस्टिंग फैक्ट रिलेटेड टू पिंक स्लिप यू कैन शेयर विथ अस एंड सेकंड इज इन केस इफ यू वर शोन पिंक स्लिप हाउ डिड यू डील विद द सेटबैक डिड यू गेट इनटू एंटरप्रेन्योरशिप और डिड यू फाइंड अ न्यू जॉब आई वुड लव टू हियर योर थॉट्स so you may share your thoughts in the form of youtube comments or you can also comment on social media platform wherever you have found this episode i would love to review what you have to say and that's it for today's episode thank you so much for tuning in and also for being part of our awesome tgv community folks we would love to hear from you and do not hesitate to share your ideas feedback topic recommendations guest speaker suggestions and any other thoughts either through social media or you can also email us at the guiding voice for you at the gmail.com and let's create content that resonates with you i'm your host navin samala a lifelong learner and my goal is to have impactful conversations that improve not only your life but also your career and until next time take care stay inspired remember the future holds great things because the best is yet to come goodbye for now see you all in the next episode with another amazing guest